Enchanté. You are listening to the What the Fab podcast, where empowered women empower women through candid conversations, inspiring stories, and tangible tips. I'm your host, Elise Armitage. I'm a digital creator, and I left my nine to five job at Google to chase my dreams of being an entrepreneur. I'm so happy to have you here. Let's get into some real talk. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the What the Fab podcast. We're on episode 39 and we have a fabulous interview lined up for you today. I cannot wait to dive into all of the goodness from this conversation. If you are interested in real estate, interested in potentially having your own Airbnb, short-term rental, business, side hustle, or if you're just interested in getting inspired by hearing from some badass female entrepreneurs, you are really going to enjoy this episode. Before we get into all the juicy goodness, I just want to take a quick second to remind you to hit subscribe through whatever platform it is that you listen through, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, because we are putting these episodes out weekly. We're on a roll, people, and I just can't be stopped. Okay. Anyways, so I also wanted to take a second to shout out a recent reviewer. Her name is Carolina Charm, and she said, a huge help for my business. The blog influencer industry can be so weird to navigate, and Elise shares incredible knowledge on how to set rates, things to look for in contracts, and so much more. I've listened to several episodes more than once and successfully used several tips for rate negotiation and exclusivity negotiation already. Cannot recommend this podcast enough. Yes, we love to see it. I am so pumped that you were able to take some of the tips from previous episodes and negotiate a higher rate and make more money. That is what it's all about, girl. That makes me so happy. So if you have not taken a second to rate and review the podcast, I would really appreciate it. If you have gotten any value from these episodes, take 30 seconds, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's what helps me grow the show. All right, let's get into this episode. So I have two fabulous ladies joining me for a conversation today. We have Sarah and Annette, and I'll get into their you know whole formal bio in just a second, but they run a really incredible podcast called Thanks for Visiting, and they have an amazing business where they are not only coaching and mentoring short-term rental hosts, but then they also have their own short-term rental business and this incredible podcast. Like They're doing a lot of things, and we were connected through our, we share the same public Publicist. Shout out to Liv, by the way, if you need some help with PR, she's amazing and she has a referral program. So hit me up and I will introduce you. But we were introduced to each other through Liv and decided to do a podcast swap. So if you want to listen to my episode on Thanks for Visiting, it's number 149. And they really picked my brain about how short-term rental hosts can work with influencers and especially why SEO is so important and how they can work with and identify influencers that are like killing it with SEO and kind of leverage that to help boost and promote their short-term rental in their business. And after, so we recorded that episode, that one's already live. And then, you know, a few weeks later, we hopped on 
our screens again and recorded an episode for the What the Fab podcast. And after both of those conversations, like, you know, after we cut the mic and we were done, we just stayed on just talking shop and money and details and advice. And I just felt like such a connection with these ladies. They're so awesome. I feel like they're just really easy to talk to. And it's just kind of cool because they're in a very different space than I am. You know, I don't, as you'll hear in this episode, I tried to have an Airbnb, but I don't actually have one. And I'm an influencer and content creator, but there's so much overlap with like branding, running a business, like being a female in your industry. And there's just a lot that we've connected on and I have really, really enjoyed our conversations. And so I'm just excited for you to get to know them and hear a little bit more about their incredible backgrounds and experiences. And with that, we're just going to dive right in to this conversation. Today, we have Sarah Karakayan and Annette Grant joining us on the What the Fab podcast. Sarah and Annette connected at a city council meeting to fight for the right to operate ethical, hospitality-focused short-term rentals in Columbus, Ohio. The duo joined forces to teach others how to host with heart. In their weekly podcast, Thanks for Visiting, they share value-packed episodes that are full of actionable advice for short-term rental enthusiasts, whether you're a newbie or an experienced host. Following the success of their podcast, Sarah and Annette launched a one-of-a-kind membership, the Hosting Business Mastery Method. This course and coaching community helps hosts master heart-led hospitality strategies that yield impressive profits. We love that. Together, they run a million-dollar hosting company and keep up with industry trends and technologies to support their own operations and bring their listeners and members the latest must-know information. Let's welcome Sarah and Annette to the show. Hey, ladies. I am so excited to have you on today. We, we are, are pumped to be yes, here. Yes, we are. We're excited to get down to business. Okay, so I'm especially pumped because real estate is a topic I've been wanting to chat about on the podcast, and I think that through the lens of short-term rentals will be really interesting. Plus, you're both just badass entrepreneurs, so we have a lot to get into today. Let's We're do ready it. for it. Yeah. All right. I would love to hear a little bit more about your individual backgrounds because they're very impressive and how you got into this space. So Sarah, you used to be a performer on Broadway. Tell me more things about that. And then you dove headfirst into real estate. Yes. I, ever since I was itty bitty, three years old watching West Side Story VHS tapes, I knew I wanted to be on Broadway. Exactly. I was going to move to New York. I was going to be on Broadway and that I don't, I don't want babies or husbands holding me back. I needed to just do this thing. And I really did most of that. Um, I did get married, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Uh, he he snuck his way into my life, um, and I, I'm very grateful for that. But yes, I moved to New York right after I graduated college. I majored in music and musical theater and spent about uh, 17, 18 years performing, and I made money doing it, and it was wow. it was great. Yes, and I traveled the world. I made money in every single U.S. state. It was a lot of fun, but it, like they tell you, even though I refuse to believe it, as a stubborn woman that I am, it is um, it is soul crushing. <laughs> it is tough uh, to be told, um, you know, all the all the different things. And they're all conflicting, and 
I didn't feel, even though I was an incredibly good performer and singer and dancer and actor, and I had all the accolades that you really didn't know where your next job was and you couldn't really control it, no matter how talented you are. And it was just not for me after a while. And I saw myself getting jaded and um, just not happy, not being a team player to my community of performers. And so I was like, you know what? That's also not me. So I got to get out of here. And um, at the time, my husband had read a book. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which if you've not yet uh, ventured into real estate, it is a wonderful uh, book to get started with. And he was like, read this. And so I did. And really the rest is history. Um, we, My husband to put himself through college. He majored in architecture. He hung drywall through college. And so in my mind, I was like, oh, you can hang drywall. You could build a house, right? It's the same thing. <laughs> Perfect. So we somehow bought a piece of real estate in New York City in 2010 or 11 in Queens. And this is when short-term rentals, Airbnb, was getting hot. It was it was getting to be a thing. Um, and so we knew that we could afford this property if we if we did that if we had a short-term rental in our home. I, between gigs, I would bartend, work at hotels. So I was like, I got this hospitality operational thing down. Plus I'm just innately type A and I love lists and and operations and things like that. So um, I got my husband on board and uh, we started to short-term rent the basement of this property. Instagram was also a thing. We somehow got ourselves onto an HGTV show. And I was like, I've hit my sweet spot. I, I, I love hosting. I love interior design. I got certification to your design. I learned how to use a, a reciprocating saw and a hammer and we, <laughs> what is I that? mean, all the things. So, um, and, and since then we've, we actually sold that property in New York and we, uh, traveled the country to find another market where we could do more short-term rentals and more real estate. And we found Columbus, Ohio to be ripe for growth. There really is no landlocking Columbus. Um, so the growth is just, you know, infinite. It can go really as far as it wants to. So Nick and I decided to make roots here about four and a half years ago. And that is where our sto my story with Annette intertwines. But I'll let her tell her impressive story about building all the businesses and then before we met. <laughs> yeah, I my my story is complete opposite of Sarah's, uh, but I I'm a performer in the operations world, business <laughs> operations. So I um my history the last 20 years has been helping build businesses and just really behind the scenes all things like COO of those companies and helping them grow and they were all very small and I started and just dig in. I get get really behind the scenes and everything from um, from HR to marketing to the accounting, just small business, but being able to see everything. And those businesses were post-college. I did the normal route, you know, went to four-year, got a four-year degree, cultural anthropology. What are you going to do with that? Um, and through those businesses, I was like, this is what I really love. I love building businesses. I built one business, left there, went to build another business, and I actually got quit. So any listeners out there, I was building these businesses. I actually had equity in one, and I got fired. I call it got quit, and getting fired was the best thing that ever happened to me. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking about quitting or maybe you just got let go... I'm here to tell you it can be one of the most amazing things that can happen to you when you're kind of forced to pivot. But those businesses, I learned so much about all the things. I wasn't realizing at the time, but I was getting my MBA um, that was just invaluable. And I needed to find something else 
when I lost that job and I didn't know what I wanted to do next. I had been going to an office for, you know, 20 years every day. And I was like, I don't want to go to an office anymore. I had a friend that owned a bunch of um, apartments actually in Columbus, Ohio. So I um, was like, hey, let's make some money together. Can I short-term rent, you know, slash Airbnb, one of your properties as a collaboration? He said, yeah, I've always wanted to try it, but I don't want to take my team away from that. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Started with one, we did two, then we did three, then we did four. And I was like, wait a second, there's something here. It was the number one thing that my friends and family asked me about. So I started thinking, I didn't know what was next at that point. But I went to a marketing event in Southern California, and they were, that was part of the part of the event. It's like, hey, your next business is probably that thing that your friends, family, and acquaintances ask you about. And we had a breakout session, and I was brainstorming. I was like, wait, everyone's asking me about Airbnb. Everyone's asking me about real estate, short-term rentals, and I need to listen to that potential client. I didn't even know they were going to be my clients at the time, and so. That's when I started thinking, wait, there's something to this. I'm not not just going to be a host. How can I teach other hosts? And so that's when I started to, my wheels started spinning on that. And Sarah, I met Sarah actually at a city council meeting. We sat next to each other. I did stalk her, by the way. She was on Instagram and I knew she was in the short-term rental market. So I I actually sat down next to her. Let's, let me tell that. But I love that. Yeah. But um, I said, hey, let me get your number. I'm starting a podcast. Would you be a guest on my show? And she was. She came over. We we recorded. And I was like, wait a second. I don't want to do this show by myself. Like, I after we pressed, you know, stopped pressing record, I was like, hey, do you want to do this together? Because I, you know, I didn't own any real estate. I was working with property developers, single. Sarah was married and actually could do rehab and build, building a real estate portfolio with her husband. So I thought we just had really two different stories to tell and we could share so much with our audience. And I really liked that we were both female. I wanted to really come at it from a female real estate and hospitality aspect. But that's how Sarah and I met. And I think your listeners can tell through these stories, we in no way, shape or form ever planned like to be doing this online entrepreneurial thing that we're doing now mixed with real estate. But I think it just goes to show that just follow the things that, you know, where, where it's leading you and they're gonna, they're gonna come to fruition and like bring, bring profits. We, we had no idea two years ago when we started our podcast that we would have, you know, this online community that we're sharing. Um, behind the scenes of our business with. This episode is brought to you by Flowdesk. Flowdesk is an incredible email marketing service provider, and they are the platform that I use for my email campaigns for What the Fab. The platform is so intuitive and easy to use. It's very drag and drop. And best of all, it's aesthetic AF. The templates are beautiful, and you can easily add your own brand colors to it to make sure that your emails look and feel like you. I used to use MailChimp back in the day, but after trying Flowdesk out about a year ago, I was in love and I know you will be too. You can give Flowdesk a try for 30 days free. And if you want to keep them, which I know you will, you can use my referral link to lock in a 50% off price at $19 a month and lock that in forever. You can get this offer and try it for free at whatthefab.com Flowdesk. And that is spelled F-L-O-D-E-S-K. That's whatthefab.com slash flowdesk. I can't wait to see what stunning emails you create. Okay, let's get back to the episode. 
That is amazing. I got chills while you were talking about your stories because, like, first of all, you guys, Annette, like, not only did she, like, help build and grow startup companies, she helped grow them into multi-million dollar companies. Well, yeah, so, like, always, she always doesn't say, and I'm like, girl. Okay, I will say this. I do need to say this. I, I, I'm i not good at telling my story, but yes, they, I, they all started at, like, under seven figures, and then my sweet spot is to get them between five and ten, and then I left, and then both of them actually sold to private equity this year. So I can say there have been two complete buyouts of the organizations. So yeah, that is <laughs> that badass. Um, just yes. you know, casual. And then I also loved hearing Sarah like you. You had this vision for yourself from like a very young age. You were doing. You were doing the thing. Like if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And then you listened to that inner voice that was like, "This isn't." this is no longer serving me the way that I imagined it. And like being able to make that pivot. I just like, I think that's, that's so important to be able to, to listen to that. Um, so I loved hearing both of your stories and then you nicely segued into what I was going to ask you about next, which was like, tell me more about that, that meeting. And I love that you already had like scoped out the situation and like (laughs) had that networking game plan down. So tell us about, okay, so you're starting to do this podcast together and now it's evolved to have several different arms of the business. You've got the podcast, but then you also have your coaching community. You're running this million dollar hosting company. How did that all kind of evolve and come about? Definitely. It was not, we didn't like me at the city council meeting, like tell you what, let's do a podcast and make a lot of money and then we'll have this. No, (laughs) right. Like it was this snowball thing of like just doing our best to listen to what was going on around us and serving a very certain kind of host Mm -hmm. and uh, to be good community members and to have fun. Like I really uh, love working with Annette. She is the yin to my yang and I appreciate that. And it's funny because I, you'll ask, Annette will speak to this. I am not a very woo-woo. I don't, I don't, I I don't (laughs) like to sit still. I don't like to like ask the universe for things. Like I'm not, I am just kind of like New York City, go, go, go. Like I, yeah. Um, but I did put it out there. I was like, I just want someone to like sink their teeth in with me and get like all in on this one thing. And my husband had started to, you know, pivot from the labor side of, of renovating. He, he really, he's an architect, like he loves designing and space planning. And that's not, I love it and I appreciate it. And I'm so glad he's the yin to my yang there. But, um, I did see us really just thriving in different, um, uh, business aspects. So when I found Annette, it was just like, this It feels really good. And I know we can serve people from all angles. And so it just started with episode number one on the podcast. And I don't even know how the, re- you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know how the rest, it just kind of happened naturally. Yeah. I think, and my prior business, I did, on, um, I sold apparel online. So I really knew the, um, I knew the power of the internet and I knew the power of the internet being open 24 hours, seven days a week to the whole world. And that previous company, you know, it was physical product. So we always had to have a physical product to ship out. And I thought it was, and with our, even with our short-term rentals, you know, we have to have a bed for someone to stay in. So you get kind of very capped out on who you can serve and how you can serve them because you have to have a physical product to present to that potential buyer. And Sarah and I got really interested in, wait a second, what about a digital product, which is, you know, just our, our 
lessens our life. How can we share that and sell that and package that? And that's where it got really interesting for us is because we were doing, you know, we started doing consultations and we were kind of trading time for money. So we'd like have yeah. our Calendly link and they could like, you know, we'd have an hour um, consultation if they wanted to sign up for another one, they could. But it was just like, that can only go so far. We can only serve so many people when we do that. So that's what kind of happened. The podcast led into some consulting and, and staging that's and design. Right. And then we, we had to figure out, we're like, look, this is not a sustainable thing for us, especially we're business partners. So like we have to actually make kind of double the money that most people need to make because we need to split it, you know, 50-50. So it really came down to us being really interested in, you know, having something that we can sell all the time, um, that's going to serve our community the best and not require us to, you know, always have take that time to, you know, be one-on-one with those clients. And so um, the online education part, I had taken uh, a lot of courses online. I'm like, wait, this is genius. Like we can do the same thing for the short-term rental space. So it kind of just, you know, it, it we pivoted there when it was like, again, listening to our audience and they wanted time with us. They wanted to pick our brains per se. And it was like, you can only go to so many coffees and like have so many people pick your brain before it's like, wait a second, how do we serve the the largest group of people in the best way and give us, and also be on our A game. That's what's cool with our online program. They're getting our very best. You know, they're not getting us after seven hours of consultation calls where we're just like, okay. Like, you know, you, it gets exhausting. So that's, what's great about it too. We can really curate the content and, um, make sure that they're getting the very best every time. So the, the online business thing kind of just was us figuring out, wait, trial and error. How are we going to help them? We did an ebook, we did some like courses, you know, and it was like, wait a second, we really need to launch a course where we can have, they can have ask us questions constantly and we can be um, on demand to help them. So it's really, it took about three years to get to that point, which is our, which is our core offer now, our hosting business mastery method. So. So, so smart. And I love hearing a little bit of the behind the scenes of the different iterations of it and trying the ebook and trying the course and then kind of like landing on, oh, okay, here's like what's, here's what's missing. Here's what's working now. Um, Super, super smart. So given all of this knowledge and experience that you have with coaching new and seasoned hosts, what would you say is the most surprising thing to people when they jump into the short-term rental business? And what would you say are some of the most common mistakes that you see? Oh, that's good. Um, I'm going to say this one, that people think it's really going to be passive. Um, I think there's a lot of online gurus that make it seem like, you know, we're, they're going to sit on the beach with their laptop and just like watch the money roll in. And we like to say um, it's it's part-time, but all the time, because you really are running a hotel. You know, you're the front desk, you're the reservations, you're maintenance, you're all of it. So it can be like, trust me, like it's completely changed our lives and opened up so many things. But that is probably the biggest thing of not realizing like, wait, it's all the time because people are staying in your home all the time. time. Hopefully they're in your home all the time. So you really need to make sure that you're there. So that's, that's something that when you first get into it, you're not thinking like, wait, someone really could call me at 3am because, you know, XYZ is happening in the home. And I think that's um, just something to be aware of. Does it happen that often? No, but I think just being aware that it's a possibility and you should be there for them. And I'd layer on there that the fact that it is a business. So a lot of uh, Mm -hmm. our audience and our listeners 
uh, get into it because they love houses. They love homes. They love interiors. They love taking care of people. They love surprising them and they get uh, excited when someone's like, oh my gosh, this couch is so comfy or your card was so sweet or whatever that is that these hosts make their houses really special. And so a lot of times they're like, wait a minute, like I also now have to make sure I'm profitable. Mm-hmm. Oh, or like this ro- these robes that I bought, they're, they don't fit into my budget yet, you know? So um, they come at it from this really awesome spot of from their heart, but then we have to bring in the fact like, okay, that's a great place to start. We actually prefer you put the people over profits, but now let's get your profits where they need to be so that you can remain in operation for a really long time. You know, it's a lot of upfront cost to start a short-term rental. And we want you to see that through to where it becomes crazy profitable, like you hear from the gurus, because it will. Uh, so that's another thing that people don't realize is it is a business. Even if it's something you do on the side, you have one home and it's just kind of like you're creative outlet, it still needs to be respected and you are the CEO. And even if you hire a management company, you are still responsible mm-hmm. for your property. Mm-hmm. So that is something that people are shocked by. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, it's a full fledged business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like, it's not just a hobby. So uh, it's, it's, but it, that's what I think is part of the fun too. And that's one of the surprising things we cannot I can maybe name one person and all of the hosts that we know, uh, it also becomes very addicting. They don't want to stop at one. (laughs) So um, every single person that we know, like I think I can think of one person and it's just a family home that they have, but everyone we know wants to really continue to build their portfolio once they get started. They get addicted Mm. to it for sure. That is super cool. Um, Can I share with you a really dumb mistake that I made related to Airbnb? Please, we love it. Yeah, here for it. Oh my gosh. Um, this is super embarrassing. So when we, we, my husband and I used to live in San Francisco, we were there for like almost a decade. And then we bought our house in Napa, like peak pandemic, like May, 2020. And so then fast forward to spring 2021, like we're all getting vaccinated. People are feeling good about traveling again. And I'm like, um, bottle rock is coming up. We have, you know, a four bedroom house in Napa 10 minutes away from the venue. Like I should just like get these guest rooms set up, like throw it up on Airbnb, see what I can get for like Bottle Rock weekend. And so I text my husband, I'm very impulsive. So I'm like, I'm doing this thing. And he's like, what? I'm like, don't worry about it. (laughs) And so like five (laughs) minutes later, the Airbnb listing is up. Um, I get some bookings. I'm super pumped. I'm already thinking about all the cute amenities. Like we have a, a wine cave. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to like give them a bottle of wine when they come and like a little charcuterie board. Not a week goes by and I get a letter from the city and they're like, hi, you can't have a short term rental. You need a permit for that. And also we're not giving out these permits. So like this is a this is a courtesy notice, but you need to take that listing down or you're going to get fined. And oh, and by the way, we found out either through a neighbor that complained or our own research. And so I was mortified because I'm like, oh my God, we're the new neighbors. Like our neighbors complain. And then my husband talked me down from the ledge. He was like, our neighbors are elderly. They did not find your our Airbnb listing in seven days. Like somebody's job at the city is to like, you know, scroll Airbnb and make sure that like there's a permit for that. But anyways, I was freaking mortified. I felt terrible for the people that had booked with me and I had to be like, I'm so sorry, but I can't host you. It was, it was awful. So that's my, that's my like brief stint. I had this whole like vision of, you know, 
this additional additional revenue stream for myself and it was going to be so much fun. And then I'm like, oh, the, I, I can't do this because they're not giving out these permits. So am I just screwed? There's just like, there's just no permits and there never will be. And that's that. So- so no, we appreciate we appreciate you sharing that story because that is like our number. That's like rule number one for us is like make sure it's permitted. And you're because there's so many people that like want to do it with their apartment and like rental arbitrage. And it's like no, like there's permission levels. A, do you own the property? And then B, does the city does your homeowners association? Because even your city could allow it, but your homeowners association could not allow it. But here's the deal. One thing, if you are in a city that has like a limited number of permits or maybe the permits are on hold, the thing is I would definitely just still find out what action you need to take because there might be a waiting list. And heck, maybe the waiting list, it might take you 10 years, but that just goes to show what the demand is. So put your name on the list. Um, If there are city council meetings about it, you know, like we said earlier, Sarah and I met there, attend them because they really are things that can get turned over. You know, the, the rules and regulations change daily across the country. So it's just something to kind of keep an eye on. But if I were you, I would definitely see, hey, can I at least put an application in and get on the waiting list? That's something I'm sure if you went down to your city hall and and chatted with someone, they could give you kind of the ins and outs or like, oh, you're crazy. You're never getting on that. But I would at least figure it out because like you saw, there's a huge demand for it. So I would definitely check it out. But yeah, any listeners make sure and not don't just check once like check three times before you listen because that will happen and you'll get um and you're lucky like that cities can find so you know make sure or if you're going to purchase a property we see this a lot too there are people that want to buy a second home and they want to put it um on a short-term rental site make sure you before you buy that second home that it's permitted in that area too and it's not to say it won't change when you um when you own, when you buy the house, things like things do change. So you could buy it in 2022, and then 2024 could roll around, and it's not possible. So Sarah and I always recommend to everyone to run the numbers on your property multiple different ways. If you're living in it, if you're going to long-term rent it, you know, to a 12-month lease, and then if you're going to short-term rent it. So run the numbers on any property that you're looking at to make sure that you can support it. Uh, however you choose to use that, there that are property. Other, there are other concepts too right now. The midterm stay is huge. So any state that's 30 days or more, there are a lot of people traveling and working from anywhere. So as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, right? And so they don't want to be at one place. They want to kind of like explore the US. And so a lot of uh, restrictions are lighter as long as a guest is staying more than 30 days. So just because a, a weekend situation isn't in the cards for you in your area, that does not mm-hmm. mean you cannot get on the shorter uh, term uh, a bandwagon. That, that's a great point because at least I'm sure a lot of your listeners, maybe they are travel bloggers um, and have some flexibility. Even yourself, like let's say you and your husband were to go, let's say overseas for like three months or six months, there is an opportunity. Like Sarah said, that is no longer a short-term rental. That's a midterm rental. So you, if you got that, like you could have some, you could still list it on those sites and you know rent it out for a three-month period. So that's something that I would look at. I know that you travel a lot and that's a great thing if you could have somebody, because in our local area, that, that is one of the stipulations. Like if there are, um, you can rent for over, it's 31 days, you're considered a long-term rental. So I really dig into that. Um, and so listeners get creative. That's the, I think that's what we're kind of telling you too, is like, don't just stop at the first person that tells you no, no, or that's not the way figure out, you know, 
I don't want to say loopholes, but like just ask the question a little bit different. And they'll be like, oh yeah, 31 days. Like that's like traveling nurses. There's a ton of people that um, rent to traveling nurses because they are there for three to six months. And that's fine. You know, people need temporary housing also. Hold up. I have to tell you about my new What the Fab presets. I finally launched digital product, and let me tell you, it was a lot harder than I expected it to be, but I am so excited that they're live. They're available. You can shop them on the website. You can just go to whatthefab.com presets to see them in all their freaking glory. <laughs> These presets are something that I have been refining and tweaking over the years, and after almost a decade of being a travel blogger and lifestyle blogger, I'm finally making them available to you to purchase and to use on your own photos. So whether you are a full-time content creator or this is your side hustle or you just want beautiful aesthetic photos for your feed, I'd love for you to check them out. Presets are honestly a game changer. Using Lightroom presets has really optimized how I'm able to edit my photos. It makes everything cohesive and beautiful and branded so that when you see one of my pictures on Instagram or Pinterest, you know that it's coming from What the Fab. And you can have that kind of brand cohesiveness too by using the presets and tweaking them for your own skin tone and style. They also have saved me hours upon hours of editing photos. I mean, it used to take me half a day to go through, you know, hundreds of photos from a shoot. Now I can just do it within one or two clicks. And then if I'm using desktop, batch sync it across all of the photos. It's amazing. Like I said, game changer. And these presets are, they're light and airy and will make your photos look beautiful, whether you're shooting on an iPhone or in the raw on DSLR. I've got the mobile pack. I've got the desktop pack. So there's something for everyone. If you want to edit just on the go, the mobile pack is a great option and you can use Lightroom mobile. The app is free. So that's a really great option for someone who's doing this as a side hustle or a beginner. And then if you are building a brand, um, maybe this is your full-time thing, you'll probably want both the mobile and the desktop versions because then you'll be able to edit on the go on the app, but then also really like sit down in front of your computer, do that batch editing I was talking about, and just have that really cohesive vibe across all of your photos. So I hope you'll check them out. And I'm so excited I have a little gift for you. So you can get one of my mobile presets for free. Just go to whatthefab.com slash free and you can get my World Traveler mobile preset for free and you can use it on the Adobe Lightroom app on your phone. And the World Traveler preset, I've used it on every type of photo imaginable. It's light and airy and beautiful and just makes you look glowy. I've used it on selfies, date night pics, home decor, food, um, my friends, kids, and of course my jet setting travel pics. So I know that you will love it. Again, go to whatthefab.com free to grab that free preset for yourself. Enjoy it, love it, use it. I can't wait to see what kinds of photos you create with it and be sure to use hashtag WTFab presets so I can see and share all my stories. All right, let's get back to the episode. That is a hot, hot tip. I've obviously heard of short-term rental, long-term, but I've never heard of midterm. Um, mm -hmm. And you kind of touched on like the first question that came to my mind was like, you know, I mean, I, I just threw it up on Airbnb because I like, I'm like, I own the house. Like I pay my taxes. I thought I could just do what I wanted right. with it. Wrong. 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 Right. And then I, my first thought was like, well, what about people that 
they purchase a property in a specific location, like get the permit, but then like something changes. Like, is is it possible for cities to just switch and be like, oh, we're not allowing short-term rentals anymore? Um, you touched on that a little bit of kind of like crunching the numbers and seeing what your options are. Um, but I mean, to me, that that sounds horrifying. Like that's a lot of money to spend on on a property and that type of investment. Um, any other kind of like thoughts or tips uh, for dealing with that kind of potential risk? Yeah. It, you know, that's why it is right now, I don't care where you're at in our country, but the real estate markets are hot, 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 right? So we understand it's really tough to find a good deal right now, especially if you want to get into real estate investing, but they are not impossible, right? So I we always say we have three exit strategies with any real estate investment since we are short-term rent, rental enthusiasts, um, or that's how we like to invest in our properties, that's obviously number one, but that's that's icing on the cake. So our next exit is that step down to that long-term. Could we pivot if regulations changed shortly, you know, or for the long-term, like would that property still work for us? And then of course it lasts us to sell it again. You know what I mean? And so that's not the worst thing in the world, right? So um, as long as it's a property too, that would be uh, sellable and it wouldn't sit on the market. So a lot of times the properties are sitting right now. It might be because I don't care if it's a long, short, mid, full-time home. There's something about that property that may not be appealing to people. So to just have exit strategies. And I think you should have that really with any endeavor that you do, because we do live in a society, right? We're mostly a democracy. We vote on things. And so um, that's just the reality of a lot of things that we get involved in as entrepreneurs and business owners is that being ready to pivot and having creative mindset and open mindset to just be ready for anything. But we will say I've been doing the under 30 days for what, 10 years now, and I'm not stopping. And uh, we live in a metropolitan area. So, um, and things are always kind of changing. There's little cities within Columbus that don't allow it. And we agree, not every home is meant to be a short-term rental, a 30 days or less. Mm -hmm. There are some times where it's just not, it's not conducive to the community and it's not really fair to those neighbors. And there's other communities where, of course, you'll have some people who disagree that I think this is a great place to have a short-term rental, but we just have to kind of work together as human beings and um, continue to have conversations and vote on things and we all have to be ready to pivot. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the key. Just financially know where you're at uh, ahead of time. Yeah. Very, very smart having those exit strategies in place and, and knowing your numbers. And and we love the hard numbers over here and not dancing around and speaking in vague terms. And I know that's something that we have in common from when we chatted last time when I was on your podcast. So what is one of the most important numbers for people to know when they start a short-term rental? I love this question. Yeah, we just taught on this yesterday. Yes, it's one of our favorite. We talk about three mistakes that we made, the biggest mistakes, you know, and we've obviously made a lot of them over the years. And one of the biggest ones is not knowing how much it costs to run your business for one night. How much, no matter what, if there's a guest in there or not, what does it cost, right, to to run your business? And having that number, that cost per reservation is really important so you can make decisions about your pricing, about your amenities, about, you know, is this is this property going to be worth it to you and your time and, and all that kind of good stuff. So really breaking it down and having that number dialed in down to like when a guest shows up and they pump that soap into their hand, like what does that cost you? And, once you dial that in, you have then it gets fun because then you can see how far you can go with it. But having that cost per reservation is a number that a lot a lot of people don't do, right? And I want to um, listeners, if you're you know just a takeaway from today's show, I think it's a fun exercise to do. You can go um, on. 
for instance, Airbnb and type in your zip code and your what your home would offer, like two bedrooms, two baths or three or, you know, one in one, whatever it is. I think it's really cool whether you've ever thought about real estate or not, either A, go in and type in as if you were going to become a host and see what your potential earnings could be there. The calculator that Airbnb gives you is fairly accurate. I think it's at least interesting to look at. So I do that. And then the second thing that I would do is, you know, a lot of us so often are looking on like Airbnb or Verbo for our vacations. Well, flip that to where you live. Um, you'd be surprised wherever you're located. There's probably a lot of listings in your area. So act as if you're traveling to your own town that you live in. And I think it'll just give everyone a lot of food for thought. Um, like, wait a second, my house, I could maybe potentially earn that much. Or wait, my friend is a short-term rental host and they're earning that. So I think um, just something fun to do and get out of your, you know, out, if you're, I don't care what your um, career is, but just stretch it today and, and put your real estate, you know, um, pen and get your real estate pen and paper out and kind of see what your property might bring you. I think it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I did in during the 24 hours when I thought this was going to be my <laughs> fourth revenue stream. I was getting all excited and I'm like, yeah, exactly. Using that calculator to figure it out. And, and then the city dashed my hopes and dreams for now. But that is a great tip for people looking to get into the short-term rental game. Um, I would love to know, you You mentioned you know, that, that this was a, a mistake that you had made early on. But I, I think it's great to learn from people's successes, but also sometimes even more so their mistakes so you can avoid them, like avoid what I did with listing something without a permit. <laughs> so what are some other mistakes that each of you made when you started your short-term rental business? Yeah, I thought I could do everything the whole time. I was like, oh, this is great. I love cleaning. I really do. I love um, organizing things. I love... I loved every every job that comes into play with the short-term rental. I was like, I can do these things. I am super woman. But that is a terrible, terrible strategy, right? Like, even if you don't see yourself scaling to multi-properties, like, I don't know, do you want your weekends off? Or do you want, like, a do Monday night off? Vacation? Do you want to go on vacation? <laughs> do you want to do anything other than serve people? Yes, of course you do, right? So um, really having that mindset of... You can do anything, but you can't do everything was yes. one of the biggest mistakes I made. And man, when I work with other people who are really the experts in that individual niche of the short-term rental industry, ooh, like the 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 ceiling comes off and the possibilities are endless and the rest is is imminent and it's it's all good. And I know Sarah's gonna agree with me on my mistake, and she she made it too. We we share the common mistakes. Is I really I did not try to collect any information from my guests. Like I was just letting them book through Airbnb. I was like just messaging on the app. Maybe I would, I would see certain things and try to invite them back. But like I could have been creating, we now would have tens of thousands of people in our own, um, you know, database. And we missed out on a ton of that um, because I was simply just letting, you know, letting people stay in multiple properties and not trying to get any data from them. So for instance, like, uh, you know, there's so many companies that have loyalty programs, like you don't go to any store, any restaurant, any website, and they're not trying to collect your name or email. 
You know, they know how, how important and how like, man, it's the backbone of your business. And like now the chairs that Sarah and I are sitting in, like we have this online community, we have a podcast, like we could probably own real estate all over the world if we would have like introduced ourselves a little bit more in depth or tried to collect that information from our guests. And it was just like, we were so busy doing the thing. We didn't think bigger about collecting that data. And again, like it's one of those things like you're on social media and it's like, no, let's drive them to an email list. Like how can we be in close relationship with the, with our consumers? So I really like to parallel it. You know, if you have an Instagram account or TikTok, it's like, but do you really have a way to connect with those people outside of that platform? We did not have a way to connect with our guests outside of the Airbnb platform. And so in theory, they owned all of our customer data, even though we were the ones providing the service. home and the service. So that was a huge, huge mistake was not trying to collect that information. And I want to be careful and say, right, like we are using Airbnb that we call them online travel agencies, OTAs, right? Mm-hmm. Like they are a tool, right? And they are wonderful and they have changed our lives. And we are not trying to skirt around uh, being really good um you know, kind of customers ourselves of these right. online travel agencies. But there is, I, I believe there is nothing wrong with um, if a guest feels comfortable to come back to us directly to be able to do that while mm-hmm. still using these these travel agencies as the tools they are to help us reach reach more reach more guests. Right. So, like we're, you know, you have to be partners with them. And right. yeah. Actually, at least we talked about this on our show. Like you don't want to do that like during the reservation process, like you can't say, Hey, like just cancel this reservation and you no. know, text me directly. Venmo me. No, that is not going to work. Like, or like, Hey, here's my email address. Here's my website. Just connect with me over here. No, that does not work. A, they're going to be able to see that. I think Elise, you said that the algorithm started to pick that up when you were like, maybe the, the homeowner or you, when you were trying to do some, you know, travel, um, arrangements, that's not what we're saying either. Like that first, everything should flow through the online travel agency that first time. But let, if you are branding your property, you can at least let them know there's another way to connect with you or even let their, let their family or friends know like, Hey, we're coming, let's again, we're in Ohio. So we're the Buckeyes. Like if you're going to the Buckeye bungalow, like make sure to stay at the Buckeye, Buckeye bungalow. Like you can at least brand yourself So you're not just another Airbnb. You could be the Buckeye Bungalow on Airbnb. So really branding, I think, is another mistake of like, I should have been branding the properties right out of the gate, building that brand so people know, oh, I'm going to stay with thanks for visiting. You know, things of that nature that we just didn't really know it was going to turn into what it did. But that's, that's a lesson for everyone out there. Learn from our mistakes. Such, such good lessons learned. And exactly what you were saying when you were talking about not collecting that data, it immediately made me think of like, it's the same thing with social media. It's the same thing with like, you have a a blog post that's doing really well with SEO. And it's like generating, you know, thousands of hits a day, and you don't have an email pop up on there, like grab that info, you know, keep in touch with them. Um, You mentioned, uh, you talked about, you know, branding, is there anything that you do now? Um, since you're, you know, well into the game that you feel like sets it apart, makes it look like, you know, if someone's scrolling on Instagram and they see it, they're like, oh, that's a a thanks for visiting property. What do you keep in mind when you're thinking about branding? For us, it's, you know, having standards and those, and that's, and I want to say that too, is, uh, 
with the short-term rental industry, and the reason why I love it is because we're not hotels, right? So we as hosts bring this individual flavor to every single property even. Even if you're a host and you own five homes, each home is a snowflake, right? And so you have to serve that home differently because it needs to serve the guests differently. And that is what makes the short-term rental ind industry so exciting and, and different. But you can have standards, right? Like a standard for us is it's going to be a safe home. We are going to understand city code and international building codes and make sure that our guests are safe because they are going into a property. They don't know. They don't know it. Right. And so if something happens, they don't know what, where to go to grab that fire extinguisher. They don't know how to grab, turn off the main gas line. Right. So it is important that you, for your brand and your brand standards, that you take those things very seriously. Um, something for us too, is we want them to be eye catching. We want you to have something in one of our homes that you don't maybe get at your home. Right. So something different, maybe it's a little impractical, but you know what, for us, because we do make a little bit more money than we do from a longer term renter, we can give you something a little extra special that you can experience at one of our properties, not just getting, you know, uh, in contact with someone at the drop of a hat, because for us, response time is very important to us. Um, but let's say like right now, Annette and I bought a property and we're going to buy uh, for the property, a frame TV, like one of those really beautiful, like artwork TVs that mm -hmm. like, they're expensive. And we understand that. And we actually stayed at a property that had one. We were like, this is so cool, you know, and, and it's, it may not be something I can have in my home right now. Or we put, um, uh, heated floors in our kitchen because it's Ohio and sometimes you come here and it's cold. And so like, maybe you didn't think about that during your innovation or you bought a house that doesn't have it. Well, we got you, right? Mm -hmm. Like just different ways to surprise and delight the, our guests. The one thing, and, and this is a Sarah um, idea that she's been doing forever, um, is a forgot something basket. And we recognize that we are not a hotel. Like you can't call down and be like, oh shoot, I forgot my toothbrush. Can you come help me? <laughs> you know? Uh, so we like to put a forgot something basket in all of the properties. And it's just those small amenities. Like, did you forget your razor? Did you forget your toothbrush, your toothpaste, maybe sunscreen, depending on where you are. Um, if, you know, Sarah wears contacts lenses. So she really likes to put like solution just in case. So it's one of those things that we we find so many guests maybe never even touch it, but we just have it like packed to the brim with these potential things. They might've forgot that if we have it there, they're like, oh my gosh, thank you. I don't have to go to the pharmacy and pick it up because I just checked in at, you know, 12 PM and I'm not at a hotel. So I can't call down to the front desk and just grab it either at the front desk or in the gift shop. So that's something that it's under a hundred bucks to stack that thing full. And you know, it's there if the guest needs it. And if not, they're at least like, wow, they thought about everything for us. So they know that we had them um, in their, when, in, in our thoughts when we were building that out for them. That is such a thoughtful touch. I love that. I would love to hear a little bit more about, you, first of all, like you two working together and how you think you balance each other. Because I know you've, you've mentioned like yin and yang a few times. I would love to hear more about that. And then I also would love to hear what your support team looks like because you are managing so many different properties and things and parts of the business and the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So let's start with our yang to our yang because <laughs> one thing I learned too, you know, I'll just, my husband would not disagree with this. But my husband and I are so similar that 
after some time, we figured out that's why, you know, we're having this like growth stunt in our business, right? Like we couldn't get past this thing because he and I are the same person. We did this, Annette introduced me to this um, personality assessment. It's called Predictive Index. And it kind of tells you like who you, you answer two questions. It's actually really short, but it knows you so well. It's kind of freaky. And Nick and I took the test and um, it is facilitated by people who understand the results. He's like, I've never seen two captains be married and run a business. Like, how are you feeding yourself? Like, how are you getting anywhere in life? Because you two are must be butting heads at all times. And honestly, like with Annette, it's just like um, she is a maverick. I am a captain. She loves to network. I am happy to be working with my. I love like the cleaners and the and my and the and Annette loves with people too. But um, I really thrive being in that dirt. And Annette is always thinking huge and like meeting with like these big fancy people and you know what I mean? And, and just connecting us. And so, and there's probably other yinks. Yeah. I think Sarah is super duper detail oriented where what she was saying, I can like look, I can like big picture think, but like getting into the details, I will probably miss some of them. Um, and we support each other like on the days that I'm like, I don't want to do this or I don't want to make a reel. No, we're going to make a reel. I don't want to record a podcast. We're going to record a podcast. So um, having just someone to pick us up, you know, just being on different like life schedules of, of being in a good mood or a not motivated mood when you have a business partner. I mean, just yesterday we were doing a webinar and it completely just the whole webinar platform went down. And I was like, if I didn't have Sarah, I would have just quit like completely a lot of times. But I think knowing our strengths, um, and, and just letting each other kind of independently go with them. And mm. like I, like today, I, I set up a couple of networking calls. Sarah would have loved to have just been like doing anything but that, like going to the properties, look, making sure the beds are, are made, you know, checking the reservations. But she also knows like as we're growing our brand, we need to connect. And so, um, and then I also know too, okay, once we're on that call, it's like, hey, where do we need to go? What do we need to do? Like, what do I need to check on? Do I need to go to Home Depot? Do you want me to go to Lowe's? What do I need? To, what needs to happen here? But just honoring that and and figuring out, um, you know, who works best where. And, and, you know, another thing too, when you talked about our team, we have great attorneys. We have a lot of things down on paper, <laughs> you know, that if we were going to come to a cross in the road, like, you know, who, who makes the decisions? Do we have a board? So our, uh, we have a great accounting team that we've been leaning into more and more to segue into teams. So always have a great attorney if you do have a partnership and don't be scared to talk about those things um, with your attorney. Uh, we have a great accounting team and that has just like, we were trying to do that on our own and we're like, wait, neither of us are good at this. Mm -hmm. So we need to hire that out. Um, we have the most amazing podcast production company, Crate Media. I have to give them a shout out. We would not have ever launched episode number one without them. Um, they, they are outstanding and we really would have like probably wouldn't have launched the podcast without them. We have a videographer and photographer that helps us. And we have um, two VAs that support us. And that's amazing. And that's kind of on our online business um, side. And then in the hosting business, I'll let Sarah share kind of what that team build out looks like because they're very, they're two very different teams. But online, I think I kind of covered. And we, we have an online business manager that helps us too. Um, we use Kajabi. So she helps behind the scenes at Kajabi and make sure our course is getting deployed and, and things are running smooth there. Something you said I want to make sure your listeners take home is honoring the people you work, either that's a business partner or the people on your team is letting these humans be the humans that they are and not try to change them. 
you know, and I can say this from that mistake myself, like sometimes my husband, because we still do, our, our core business is still in operation, right? But we have learned to like, I have to let Nick be Nick. You know, Nick is a salesperson. Nick has high energy. Nick is a clouds, like big picture thinker. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I needed to like honor him. And I'll never forget when I met Annette, and knowing that like, okay, I'm not going to put her through the same thing I put my husband through <laughs> and trying to make her fit into this thing that I think we need. And my gosh, have we made leaps and, you know, strides because I let her be the human she is and work with that, right? Like p- toss things her way that I cannot handle. And she does the same for me, which is really nice too, because I can be, when things don't go my way, I'm type A. It's like very frustrating. And she just lets me like have a moment and then we just continue on and that synergy means so much. So on our hosting side, we have a head cleaner and she has her whole team. So that's a whole thing because you have to remember, we have to get these properties clean between our checkout time is 10 a.m. and our check-in time is four. We have a longer time now because of um, COVID-19 and we just, we have extra, even now living with COVID is, we take it very seriously. I have co-hosts or uh, reservationists who help answer a guest's question or, or inquiry or statement or whatever at the drop of a hat. And we are open 24, seven, 365. And I also have inspectors, right? And so we, we don't put our business on our cleaners backs. Like once the cleaning team is done, another layer goes in to make sure that it is guest ready. These cleaners walk into these, you know, mountains that they have to bring back to square one. And then it's a lot to expect them to also make sure that the faucet's not leaking and that they got every single speck of dust and there's no hair on on the bed from when they like leaned over, you know, with their ponytail and something didn't fall off or the HVAC vent is blowing something, right? Like we have layers to make sure that quality is there. And, um, and then of course we have technology. Um, we use a lot of tech to help us automate the hosting side of our business. And so we are, we know that they are and key. One free tool that we use in all of these businesses all day, every day is Voxer. And so if you're not on Voxer, V-O-X-E-R, please, it's free. Sarah and I know the way, the reason we use it is that we know it's not, it's our team. It's people we do business with because like WhatsApp, you know, text messaging, Instagram, Facebook, all of that can get littered with your friends or your family, even email. But we know if it's Voxer, we've kept Voxer very clear that those are our team members and they need to get a hold of us to make stuff happen. And even Sarah and I, that's our preferred way to communicate. That way it's like, look, if it's a Voxer, I should get back to it. If it's all the other bazillion apps on your phone, they can wait. But Voxer is our um, is our friend for sure. Yeah, our apparently BFF. all the kids knew about it and then they're over <laughs> it. But now at 39, I'm just getting no, to it. No, it, because it just works. And, and, all and, of it our, works. and it's easy for all of our team too because a lot of times, like Sarah said, we use so much tech. But when you, ha- when you start hiring people, you know, maybe someone likes Notion, but someone else likes Slack and then, oh, Airtable's their jam. And like, and then some of them cost money, some of them don't, but we like that Voxer is completely free. There's a very low, you know, there's a low barrier of of learning there. And so we can have everyone from our CPA to um, our maintenance person use Voxer so we can communicate. And it's just, that's a, a tool that we could not live without. Brilliant. Okay. You've kind of nicely segued again into another question I had for you is I I would love to hear any kind of like efficiency tips or time management hacks, just kind of like your favorite kind of go-to because obviously you are dealing with many different parts of the business and team members and so forth. We, um, 
we just start we we just started um, getting much better at this, but and it's, it's so cliche, but batching. You know, batching our podcast episodes on one day, batching our content creation on one day. And one of the biggest things for us is we have so many people, like whether we want to network with them or talk, um, have them on our podcast. There's all these things and having a partner, like it was all these meetings. We consolidated all of our like networking or meet and greets, Mm -hmm. if you will, into one day. And that has been a game changer for us. So we just know Wednesdays are our like... We have a four-hour time period where we just like anybody that wanted to connect with us or talk to us. So it allows us, if someone wants to meet, we already have that time. It's on our calendar link. It's a networking event. We send it to them. We're not going back and forth on email a million times. So if you have listeners out there and they like have that afternoon where it's anybody that like wants to pick your brain or you want to schedule a time for coffee putting it in that one bucket has, is going to transform for us and like batching every, whatever those things that you do, if you can just take it, take your calendar and separate it and just block it out. That's been, that's been really helpful for, for us and, and just making sure that we're clearing time for, for all the things. I'm a big fan of brain dumping, like getting it off my brain and somewhere where I can keep it organized. So at least the hosting side of our business, we, we manage 32 different doors um, and they all need different things at different times in different ways. So we love using, our team loves using Asana. And what we've done is we've created different buckets for each property. And you can make this work for your life. Like property for us might mean, I don't know, brands for you. Like, right. So it's just these different things and just dumping it, like get off your brain, assign it to someone or don't set a date to it or don't, but at least it's there. And you can look at Asana in so many different ways, whether it's list or calendar or however you learn or, or take in that information. But, um, and there's Evernote and there's tons of different, but brain dumping, batching, mm-hmm. and I mean, even the meeting was a batching. So I think brain dumping and batching. Yeah. Are those two are tips. Two things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are great tips. And you're exactly right. I use Asana for my business too. And you really can use it. However, I think it's, you know, there's so many different tools out there. It's just finding Mm -hmm. one that works for you and sticking with it and making that your system. Because otherwise, like you can be in Notion, Evernote and Asana and whatever, you know, Monday Trello and hopping around doesn't do anyone any good. Okay. I have one more question for you all as we start to wrap things up. I mean, I've been loving watching your, your reels on Instagram and just kind of like, you know, seeing what you're working on. I would love to hear, and you mentioned like doing Home Depot and and Lowe's runs earlier, (laughs) but what are some of your favorite tips for updates that you can make on a budget that make a really big difference? Like for me, when we first moved into our house, I did not realize how much of a difference it would make just updating the door handles and hinges. I was like, oh my God, it's like a new space. And yeah, and like so cheap. So any kind of like hot tips or favorite kind of go-to updates that you like to make right off the bat? Maddie is very excited to share I love this one because Sarah taught me this too. Um, (laughs) Curtains like hanging window treatments on so many different levels because a it can bring color in if you want color it can you know you can put blackout curtains in if you're if you know it's your bedroom and and you need more sleep um it can help to for for the sound it can help you know deafen sound if your if your home is really loud you can do you know there's so many different iterations that you can do with it and i just think they can be they can be changed often. If you're someone that like wants to switch things out, you can, you're not painting the full wall. You can like just run over to Ikea and Target and buy some new curtains if you're someone that likes to change it up. But it's something that 
most everyone can do or or hire someone for, you know, in an afternoon, you can change it and you can change room by room by room. You know, it's something you can segment off. And if you have a budget, you can be like, I'm going to do my living room first and then my bedroom. And if you are in a rental, like, you know, if you're in an apartment, it's something that you can really make it feel like your own space because you might not have as, as much, you know, you might not be switching out door handles or painting rooms, but you can hang different curtains up. That's my that's my tip. And quick tip with curtains. I've learned a lot about curtains oh, yeah. over my lifetime I know what you're here. Say, <laughs> well, you, you want to hang them about like bra- put the brackets in the walls about 3 inches from where your window is, but get them a little longer than you think you need because you could really make your windows feel wider and then hang them as high as you can making sure that you can still get the bar into the bracket because it's at the back in the day one time I was like I can't even get this bar in the bracket because it's hitting the ceiling <laughs> but make that help your windows especially if, like I used to live in New York and so we had tiny little windows and like it just helps it look bigger and more impressive and then actually a buyer tip is I'm obsessed with the brackets the hardware that you actually mount into the wall um, that you get from Ikea why a couple things you can transition from just having curtain legs um, to adding a whole other curtain rod and having mm-hmm. shears behind them and the and the legs in front of them or because sometimes it's like at first I just wanted to do, I had blinds so I just needed the curtain legs but then maybe I don't like the blinds anymore and I want to do shears you don't have to have a whole new curtain system and the way they these genius engineers at IKEA made them you don't have to be stressed about getting them level because they hide the leveling mechanism behind this like it's hard to explain but just trust me if you're nervous about leveling and hanging and you're not perfect out of the IKEA brackets and they're so cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. love them. Um, two other tips I'd love for us dressing up spaces is lighting fixtures. I mean, you can get them for not a lot of money. It's a pretty easy DIY swap or an inexpensive hire from an electrician if you don't feel confident there. And I love this whole movement with temporary wallpaper. Um, they, it, it's, I mean, Annette helped me do it so she can attest to it. She is not, you know, a former <laughs> DIY. Not, not a DIY. No, though, but right. it is, it is like putting a sticker on a wall and, um, it's just non-commitment and man, does it just, especially if you're from a short-term rental standpoint, I'm always think, thinking about that hero image, like that one picture that's going to stop your scroll on, on Airbnb or Verbo. I want to look different. I'm going to put a really cool wallpaper and have that be that picture that stands out. And then, of course, I layer it with a light fixture. It's just going to look like, again, something I don't have at home or a different vibe. And I could just be a different person for this stay. And so and those are- Yeah, I like what Sarah said, too. Just like secondary lighting, too, can change the mood of your home. Like, you know, you can just have a couple of lamps on and make it a little bit more moody, you know, so you can feel like the daytime, pull your curtains open, maybe at <laughs> night, bring them, you know, close and then put that, put some lamps on. So you can kind of just really mix up the mood and the feeling of your house, too. But that's stuff that really you're not going to put a huge dent in your wallet oh. on those on those things. So, so good. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with wallpaper now. I like I had never experimented with it. And then we did it in um, our little like laundry room closet area. And it just took it from so like blah to like, oh, my God, this is the most fabulous laundry room I have ever seen. So then we did my office. And now I I want I mean, I'm like, where's the line? 
Sorry, go ahead. No, that's the tip. Start with a small space. Like if you're nervous about wallpaper, just do it on one wall, like an accent wall, or like you said, your your laundry room. Start somewhere small so you're not committing to like a huge place, but you now you're addicted. Now I know why you go in these older homes. You're like, no wonder they love wallpaper. It looks awesome <laughs> everywhere. Exactly. I know. I'm like, I have to toe the line of like too much wallpaper now because it's just, it's so fun and there's so many cool options. Um, okay, great. Well, ladies, I have absolutely loved this conversation. I would love to hear what you have coming up. I know you have your your workshop. Is there another one coming up soon? Tell us all about it. Yeah, we always, um, we do workshops very often. And if you go to our website, it's www.thanksforvisiting.me forward slash workshop. You can sign up for um, the the upcoming one, the next one that's um, on the calendar. And it's an, you know, it's like an hour, hour and a half of learning. So even if you're just interested, come with your pen and paper, um, see what it's all about. You'll get some just education, some more streamlined education from Sarah and I. And then, you know, come stay with us if you're ever in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> just yeah. hit us up on um, on Instagram and we'll make sure to share some spaces with you. Awesome. We will definitely link to that in the show notes. Um, and then your Instagram is at thanks for visiting underscore, correct? That's yep. right. We have a lot sure. of fun over there. Hit us up in our DMs. Like our reels, please, because they take so much work. <laughs> and, I'm uh, very impressed with the amount of content and reels that you're putting out. It's a lot. It, it is a lot. Again, we're having fun. And when it's not fun anymore, we won't do it. Because yeah. right now it's a lot of fun. But it is just we've committed and that's another crazy thing about me is like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so I'm like, Nettie, yeah. there have been times where it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm coming to her house and I'm like, we got to do we this. We got to do this. Yeah. We're, we're pretty, we're both kind of max effort when it comes to that. We say we're going to do, so that's probably why we work too. It's like, okay, we're both kind of Committed. crazy in that, <laughs> that aspect and a, a good crazy. Yeah. I love that. I love that commitment. I'm here for it. Well, Sarah, Annette, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. I know that people are going to get so much value out of it. I mean, there there were so many aspects, not just the the hot tips specifically for short-term rentals, but there were so many things that just, you know, align and overlap with being an entrepreneur in general. And so I think that um, listeners are going to get a lot of value out of it. So thank you so much for taking the time and joining me. Thanks for all you do. We really appreciate it today. Thanks for having us. Okay. How cool are Sarah and Annette? I just loved hearing more about their backgrounds and kind of the backstory of what has led them to the incredibly amazing and successful business that they have now. I also loved hearing more just about their partnership and because that's something that's pretty foreign to me, like the idea of having a partner and a co-founder. So that was really cool. And then of course they gave such hot tips. If you're interested in becoming an Airbnb host, having a short-term rental business, or you're kind of, you know, you have that maybe and you're looking to grow it, absolutely hit them up, like check out their podcast. Thanks for visiting. They share like really, really great tips and resources there. And then of course, check out their membership program as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to hit subscribe through whatever platform it is that you're listening through. And that way these weekly episodes will get queued up for you and ready to roll. And next week, we're probably going to switch things up and do a solo episode because the last few episodes have been interviews and I've been getting some 
really great DMs and requests and ideas for future solo episode topics. So I want to start digging into some of those. And I, again, I've just been loving getting your guys' feedback and hearing what potential topics you would like to have covered, what would be helpful for you. The last solo one that I did was, it was episode number 36, and it was 12 tips for beating imposter syndrome. So that one was something that I was just getting several requests for. And I was like, okay, we got to get into this. We got to do this. And it really keeps me motivated when I know that I'm recording an episode that is hopefully going to be useful for you, valuable and help you out. And so if you want to listen to that one, it's number 36. And like I said, next week, we'll be coming back with another solo episode and I will chat with you then. Thank you.